So what I'd ask everybody to do again with me is to bow in prayer before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day, and I just thank you for the, the privilege to come and to meet with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray that you would bless our time, that you would help us to grow in our faith, that you'd help us to know you better, that you'd help us to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. And I would just thank you for that. I pray that you might um, use this time to edify your church, and I would thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I did want to make one other announcement, and that is that uh, Pastor Jerry is going to be here next Sunday to share. Uh, so pray for them. He and Laura are actually going to come down um, midweek, about Thursday, and she hasn't been feeling well, so pray that she feels better uh, by then for their traveling. So the title of my message this morning is a question. It's what in the world is God doing? And it's a question not like we would normally use those words, you know, what in the world's going on? Uh, some surprise or some um, something that's caught us off guard. But it's more of a question to cause us to Consider, or I pray, remember um, what God is doing in the world. I think that there's a lot of confusion about what God is doing in the world. And unfortunately, a lot of that is um, our fault. Um, if we were to travel across the country talking to Christians in our country... I think we would get a lot of different answers to that question. What is God doing in the world? <clears throat> or what in the world is God doing? I was going to suggest some of the possible answers that we might hear. But I decided not to do that. You can kind of think of them yourself. And you can probably come up with some of the answers you would likely hear. <clears throat> Let me just say that I think many of the answers would seem focused on what people believe God is doing in the United States. And a lot of what you would hear would be about God working to change the culture, to restore Christian principles in their country. It might even lead some to believe that what's going on in the United States is the indicator of what God is doing in the world. Perhaps there are some people here, in fact, I'm sure there are some people here that know this statistic that I'm about to share. I didn't know it, but I'm sure that there are some here who do, and probably some like me who will go, really, but do you know that the United States, with a population of nearly 330 million people, makes up approximately 4.2% of the world's population? 4.2. I haven't been in school a long time, but I know that that means 95 point some percent of the world's population doesn't reside in America. 
China, the most populous country, and where Pastor Caleb is heading, India, the second most populous country, each have more than a billion additional people in their countries that we do. Each of them account for approximately 17 to 18% of the world's population, or 34 to 36% combined. That's a lot of people. But we're 4.2. For me, I find these numbers kind of telling when I think about how much we've been conditioned to think that what God is doing in the world revolves around what he's doing here with the 4.2%. Don't get me wrong. I've said this before. I believe that God has blessed our nation greatly. But Scripture, I think, challenges me and challenges us to discern between what may come by way of blessing through God's primary concern and then taking that to support some idea that he's changed course since Pentecost and is now nation-building. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy once told his dear fellow believer to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. I don't think Paul actually thought that Timothy had forgotten who Jesus was, but he wanted him to remember Jesus Christ, remember that which is most important. And I think God, through his word, would perhaps call his people to remember his church, to remember the church he is building, the church he is working through in the world. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18, we read the following account. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So perhaps the most simplified and accurate answer to the question, what in the world is God doing, is... He's building his church. Of course, I know and you know that God is quite capable of accomplishing more than one task at a time. But his primary purpose in the world today, in this age of grace, is the building of his church. The church, the body of Christ, is composed of men women, and children from all over 
his created world. I would even say that God's not as concerned about the 4.2% as he is about the 100%, right? In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, following his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Is it not that which matters most? To be counted amongst the saved or the condemned. In Acts 1.8, we read Jesus speaking these words to the apostles before his ascension. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Collectively, collectively, believers all over the world make up the body of Christ. They are the church that God is building. In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, we read, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. In 1 Corinthians 12, 20, it says, But now there are many members, but one body. And again, this is the church God is building. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, we're reminded of that. It says, But now God has placed the members each of them, in the body, just as he desired. It is is by his doing, as we read in 1 Corinthians 1.30, that each member, each member, all over the world, are placed in the church and are placed in Christ Jesus. So the preaching of the gospel... The building of his church is God's worldwide work, and his focus, as we can see in some of the passages that we already read if we spent a lot of time looking at them, his focus is on individual members and the body as a whole. People. Of course, his church has. No question, his church has and will continue to have a role and impact in the world, wherever they are, until the rapture, until he raptures it from the earth. I I debated about saying this because I know it sounds simple and perhaps unnecessary. 
But this gospel, what we see called the foolishness of the message preached in 1 Corinthians one twenty one. This gospel that God has chosen to be the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes is a message for people and not cultures. It's a message for people. It's a message for people all over the world. It's a message for individuals and not countries. It is people, individual people, who hear the good news of Jesus. It is people who believe, who are baptized, and who are saved. It is people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God. These people, as individual believers or members of the church, that God is building may impact the culture and they may impact the country they live in. But don't forget it, it's his church that he's building. And not only is he building his church, he's working uh, in and through his church all over the world. He is working to equip all of its members for service, to work in them, to work in us with maturity, stability of faith, Christ-likeness, and service for him in view as he works. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, a well-known passage of Scripture, we read, And he gave some as apostles and some as pastors, excuse me, as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Passage reminds me of a passage that Pastor was sharing Wednesday at our prayer meeting time, where it talked about uh, being aware of uh, what's called plausible arguments. They sound good. They sound. They 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 have some some bits of truth that ring in them, but on close and careful biblical examination, they don't hold up. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, the head of the body, the head of the church, even Christ, 
from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's a church. That's believers. God is still working through his church and its members to preach the gospel, to share that which the Apostle Paul wrote, calling it, and, still, and it still remains this, that of first importance, as we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, where Paul wrote, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. It's the most important thing. I say this, and I I understand the importance and the significance that believers have and feel when they, whether, whether it's in this country or any other country, when they experience a culture that is ungodly. I get it. But culture is not the matter of first importance. Many of us, some of you more than I, many of us can remember when our culture appeared to be more influenced by the church or more in line with Christian values As I thought about that and I thought, even during those times, many, many, many people died in their sins. And the culture couldn't save them. Some of you are older than I. Some of you are younger than I. But growing up in the 60s and 70s, as I did, I never once went to church. I can't ever remember hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Sure, the culture was, even then, I would say more wholesome than it is today. I was thinking about this last night. I watched the Flintstones, Green Acres, Gomer Pyle, Petticoat Junction, the Beverly Hillbillies, Hogan's Heroes, Bewitched, All in the Family, the Waltons, the Andy Griffith Show, Daniel Boone, Happy Days, Welcome Back Cotter, Charlie's Angels, Mork and Mindy, MASH, and the list goes on. But as the 80s came, I was still lost. Like I said, don't get me wrong. I wish things were more simple and wholesome in our country. And that the culture we are all experiencing now was not as it is. 
it's heartbreaking to see what's going on when we look around. But again, let me say this, that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the sovereign grace of God that brings one to salvation, no matter the culture, good or bad. As the 80s continued for me, I was 23. Early 80s, I suppose the culture wasn't the greatest. Maybe not like it is today. Um, But God intervened in my life. Caused me to be born again. Following the Apostle Peter's first sermon, we're told in Acts 2.41 that 3,000 souls were added to the church. I think that's important to remember. Souls were added to the church. If you go back and look, you'll see it was to people that Peter said, repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, what more is there than the blessedness of being amongst those whose sins have been forgiven, no matter where you live? Remember, as we read earlier, really, when it all said and done, there's the two groups, right? The saved, the condemned. The saved, the condemned. I don't know what it was for everybody else. God used a 20-year-old girl. In my life. She's not 20 anymore. (laughs) I was going to share that earlier, and I didn't because I knew I would do that. She would tell you that she wasn't a 20-year-old on fire for the Lord. But she knew the gospel. She may not have even known that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Anyway. God is still in the business of saving souls. He's committed to his church. The word of reconciliation, the word tells us, and the commitment to the church 
didn't cease. It remains there today. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, we read this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, again, I don't want to be redundant, but he's talking about a person. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Really our message to the world, right? God has also purposed that this church he is building be the pillar and support of the truth. In 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15... Paul wrote, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. It seems... Seems wrong that we would have that we should have to remind ourselves of this, but it is the church that is the pillar and support of truth. This is truth that is found in Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. This role of being a pillar in support of the truth has not been given to politicians. It's not been given to governments. It's not been given to schools or to any other human institution. It is the church of the living God of which you and I, by his grace and mercy, are members of which those believers that Pastor Caleb will be interacting with in India this coming week are members, that are called to be the pillar and support of the truth. It's unfortunate, I find, that oftentimes... It is the church, it is members of the church that look outside the church for others to be a pillar and support of the truth, oftentimes a truth that they don't even know. 
so again, what in the world is God doing? <laughs> He's building his church. And let me say this, lest we think otherwise, he's doing a real good job at doing it. Some of you have heard me say this before, because I, try, I remind myself of this sometimes, because I know we look around at how things are in the world or perhaps even look around and see how things are in the church. And one can get a bit discouraged. And maybe even come to the place to ask that question, you know, what's God doing? Um, I pray if you ever ask yourself that question again, that you remember, he's building his church. And I don't know when the building process will be over. I just know he's building his church. And he's wanting to work in and through his church in a lost world. He continues to work through the church and all of its members to proclaim his gospel message. He's saving the souls of men, women, and children all around the world. And by his doing, they are like we are being placed in Christ. Even if you don't see this happening around your life, No, be convinced of this, that today, January 15th, 2023, there will be men, women, and children all over the world who for the first time will come to know who Jesus is today. I believe that with all my heart, despite how things might look, because He's building his church. He's still in the business of opening up the hearts and minds of people to know who Jesus is. Although Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, what I would call his cross work finished, his perpetual, ongoing priesthood is also being fulfilled. The word tells us he lives forever to make intercession for you and I, and he does so day after day. I actually think it's part of his building process as he builds his church, but he's also This is a mind-boggling task for me, but he's carrying out the work of sanctification in the life of each and every member of his church with the desire for each one of them to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He's doing that with us. He's doing that with believers in every other part of the world. He's concerned about his church. He has a passion for his church, the body of Christ. He's working through the church and its members to live as lights in the midst of what the word says is a crooked and perverse generation. Calling us, calling other believers, not just those in America, to not love the world nor the things of the world. He continues to commit to his church the word of reconciliation whereby by God's grace and mercy by his equipping by the good works that he has prepared for us to walk in the church shares the good news of Jesus Christ and implores others, as we read, to be reconciled to God through Jesus. And as I said before, God is capable of many tasks at the same time. We can't quite fathom that. Not only can he do that, I don't mean he can do it like we can do it. He can do it with undivided attention on each task. So he's building his church, and he continues to sovereignly superintend over the affairs of the entire world, all of mankind, all of creation continues to hold the universe together while he's building his church. And as I, I guess, made reference to anyway, and we read that passage this morning in our Hebrews reading where it said that soon, soon, he who is coming will come. I don't know when that is. But I take God at his word and he's coming again. When he left, when Jesus left the earth, he told us what? If I go, I'll come again. And he told us he was going to prepare a place for us. His church. I don't know when that's going to be. But I know that there will come a day when he returns to gather to himself the church that he has been building.
That will be a glorious day. I just want to say this one more time. When that happens, when he gathers his church to himself, he won't be worried about the culture he takes them from. He won't be worried about the country he takes them from. Because he's been focused on his church and his people that make it what it is. And he's been working through it. So I would close by, I guess, just saying this. May God help us, may God help me, to remain ever mindful that what he's doing in the world is building and working in and working through his church. And may you and I be and remain ever grateful that he's made us a part of it. I don't even know if we can grasp that. Do we know how special it is that we're part of that church that he is building? We ought to be. And we should thank him for it regularly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in America. Thank you for what you're doing in India. Thank you for what you're doing all over the world. Thank you for building your church. Thank you for sovereignly intervening in my life and making me a part of that church. Thank you for making those brothers and sisters in Christ that I know part of your church. Work in and through our lives that we might be a witness, that we might be about that ministry of reconciliation, sharing the good news of Jesus and imploring others to be reconciled to you through your son. And we would thank you for that. Just thank you for your love and for your faithfulness every day. In Jesus' name, amen.